Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cultural and intellectual initiatives, um, Sarai lost um, substantial funding. And I think that this is a question that one has to ask about uh, cultural in, intellectual initiatives independently in India as to what are the resources that can sustain them. And uh, since that question could not be resolved, we thought it best to, um, to, to at least um, to diminish our involvement with it so that if, if it continued, it could continue as a smaller scale pro- program. Art is a form of expression for an artist. It is so personal, it's inspiring, thought-provoking. It's like a language in itself that can be interpreted in so many different ways and I believe can change lives. I am so in awe of all the artists that I have chatted with in this series and I have personally learned and gained so much from each conversation. And I hope you do the same. So happy listening. Hi everyone. Today I am in conversation with uh, Shuddha Sen Gupta, who is the founder of Rocks Media Collective. His partner, Monica Nerula, was meant to join this conversation, but apparently she's stuck on a train uh, somewhere in, in France. And uh, so I'm sure she's having a good time, even though she's stuck on the train. But thank you so much for joining me, um, Shuddha. And uh, just a very brief introduction on Rack Ra- Ra- Rax Media, Rocks, Connect- Rocks, right. Rocks Media right. Collective, right. which is an agency um, that practices across several media, um, like installation, sculpture, video, performance, curation and and all of that so of course we're going to hear uh, from Shuddha Um, so thank you once again for joining me today thank you Pyle it's a pleasure to be with you (laughs) okay great so maybe we can start with your background uh, before and so that's one and the second part of the question would be how did you uh, come about setting up Rocks Media? Great. Um, the three of us uh, in Rocks Media Collective, um, that is Monica Narula, Jish Bakshi, and me, uh, met in a, f- a film school in Delhi at the Jamia Millia Islamia University in the late 1980s, actually 1989. And we were students together at the Mass Communication Research Center. And we were at I'm interested in receiving an education in documentary film and video production, which is what we set out to do. And um, we, the three of us grew up primarily in Delhi, although Monica had an itinerant childhood. She 
traveled different places in India and in Southeast Asia and in the Pacific Islands uh, with her father, who was a school teacher. But Jibesh and I were born and raised in Delhi, and we received our education entirely in Delhi. So we are very Delhi people. Um, we studied different things. Uh, I studied sociology. Monica studied English literature. Jibesh studied physics and then sociology. And, and then we met at this master's program at the Jamia Millia Islamia University. And uh, having graduated from there, we enjoyed working together. So we decide to do things together. So it was out of a friendship and out of a desire to pursue um, however much we wanted to make a life with moving images, with signs, with thinking with the moving image. That's how Rux was formed in the November, if I'm not mistaken, of 1992. So we are almost 31 years old now as a, as a collective. Interesting. And and I guess you mentioned that, you know, your background in terms of education, uh, all three of you mm. was so different um, that you were able yeah. to bring all of it sort of amalgamated into um, mm. rocks, you know, so bring all your different ideologies right. and 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 collectively um yeah. be in one space um so that's interesting mm -hmm. so what does um Rux media collective as a collective actually do um our practice is primarily in contemporary art we started as filmmakers as documentary filmmakers but around 2000 we found ourselves increasingly invited to contemporary art venues and today our practice is entirely in contemporary art as artists. So we are a contemporary art collective, but we also curate exhibitions uh, and we've curated several large international exhibitions. We write a lot as a part of our practice and we also teach in different uh, platforms in different situations in different uh, contexts and, um, and in many places it, in the world. What is it that you teach? Um, I think we are invited often to work with young artists in art academies where the task that we are we undertake or our approach for is to work with the thinking processes. How do artists um, ask questions? How do they pursue their curiosities, which is what we've been doing together for 30 years, and how to how to shape their practice into a mode of thinking, research, curiosity, questioning, and, and exercise of the imagination. That's what we're often asked to do. Okay, okay, that's interesting. Um, so do you think that visual art um, influences the other art forms like performing arts or uh, cinema? Do you think visual art, from your point of view and perspective, does it have an influence on these other art forms? Yeah, I think the entire universe of art production today is very porous. So like we came from initially a cinema background into contemporary art and we still work with the moving image. So our formation in cinema and our love for the moving image has, has grounded everything that we do. But but we also work a lot with architects, we work with software programmers, we work with designers, we work with um, with performers, with theater directors. 
So our practice has uh, many windows through which other practices, other art forms, other intelligences, um, I, I think we are in conversation. So the the emphasis that we would like to place is on that conversational exchange between one art practice, however it defines itself, and the many other artistic, intellectual, creative influences that lie around it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that's you're right when you say that, you know, today it's it's very, very porous. Um and yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So um, uh, while I was researching you, I saw um, that you founded something called Sarai. That's right. And what is Sarai? Sarai yeah. actually means Sarai. it actually means like um, is it a corner or is it by the roadside or what? What exactly does Sarai mean? Uh, in many Asian languages that range from, let's say, Turkish to Persian to Urdu to Bengali and other languages, the word Sarai suggests um, a resting place where okay. travelers uh, who have all been on long distances, long distance journeys, uh, rest for a while. They refresh themselves. They um, they they find provisions. They exchange stories. They they make new alliances, new friendships. So it can be anything from an inn to a public house, to a site, to a watering hole, to a campsite in the in a, an oasis in the desert, to, for instance, in Istanbul, the top Kapisarai is a palace, yeah. right? So it, which yes. may have begun as a, so it and it, it there are cities, for instance. I mean, Sarajevo in Bosnia is yeah. uh, comes from the word Sarai, yeah, yeah. Um, and. Uh, in many places in India and Pakistan, you will find the word Sarai as a suffix to a place name like Mughal Sarai. Or, uh, and Delhi itself has about 21 neighborhoods that have the word Sarai in them. Um, the last we counted on the map. So Delhi, the city that we grew up in, was in some senses a city of Sarais. It was a spot on a busy, active route for travelers, pilgrims, merchants, um, itinerant folk of all kinds. And the the culture of the city and the historical identity of the city is formed by these intersections, So, which is why we took the word Sarai. And Sarai was a program, or was, and to some extent is a program at the Center for the Study of Developing Societies, which is an independent, is an independent think tank in Delhi. And it was founded by the three of us and two theorists, Ravi Sundaram and Ravi Vasudevan, as a kind of, let's say, interdisciplinary platform for research and practice that looked at this new city or the new urban condition in South Asia, new technologies and new cultures of living, practicing, imagining the creative and intellectual life. So it was a very active program for the, the the 12 years that we were associated it, with it, we founded it in 2000, worked with it actively to 2012. We ran media labs, a publication program, uh, residencies, fellowships, we gave about 600 fellowships. A lot of the people that you see in contemporary art, uh, performance, filmmaking, literature, journalism in South Asia 
came through the Sarai program in one form or the other. So it left a, a certain kind of mark on contemporary culture in, in I'd say, South Asia as a whole. Okay, and and you are not uh, as associated with it as you were when you founded it. Uh, no, we're not, because like many things in India, like many interesting cultural and intellectual initiatives, um, Sarai lost uh, substantial funding. And I think that this is a question that one has to ask about uh, cultural in intellectual initiatives independently in India as to what are the resources that can sustain them. And uh, since that question could not be resolved, we thought it best to um, to to at least um, to diminish our involvement with it so that if, if it continued, it could continue as a smaller scale program. Right, right. So why do you think um, that, you know, these kind of initiatives... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. ...are not given... Uh the rightful support, uh, you know, because there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, different um, industrial, you know, or industries or different industrialists who, um, from what we read, are involved mm. in, you know, in supporting foundations. And so is that more from a CSR perspective, or, um, you know, is it like they genuinely care? Um, and if they mm. don't genuinely care, is that the reason why um, support for these kinds of initiatives? Because they're very, mm. they do make a difference, you know, like, for example, what you've said about Sarai and how mm. it helps so many contemporary artists, um, by offering fellowships. So uh, do you think that it is something which needs um, more of a drive and a push? And why is it not uh, to the extent that it is in other parts of the world? Hmm. Well, it's a complicated and a difficult question you've asked. I'm going to try and respond to it with as much candor and uh, sincerity as possible. Um, I think there are two or three factors that we have to keep in mind. First of all, I think in India at the moment, but not just at the moment, for considerable amounts of time, there's been a, there hasn't been the support that you would expect from 
the state in a democratic society for cultural and intellectual production. Uh, there are various restraints placed on these um, activities, uh, which do not behove a democratic society. And it's not just now, it's also in the past. So it's not just one regime or another regime. I think it's a general condition. Uh, for instance, there is there is a very repressive law called the Foreign Contributions Regulation Act, which um, which inhibits international support and solidarity for the arts and culture and academic life or in, in intellectual life. I don't think that's well known enough in the world that India has the kind of law that you would expect in places like Russia or China or Iran. We have the same legal system that actually prohibits and disinhibits intellectual cooperation and exchange and cultural cooperation and exchange. Secondly, since the state is um, has failed in its responsibility in, the, in this regard, one would expect civil society or private initiatives to pick up the slack uh, through foundations, as you mentioned, or through philanthropic activity. My understanding and experience is that that has never acquired the robustness and the maturity that a culture and country with the complexity and scale that India has. There's a lot of talk, but I haven't seen that translated into robust enough action in support of different initiatives. There are a few organizations like the India Foundation for the Arts, the Tata Trusts do some work, but they're stretched beyond their capacities. Uh, I see there, there's no shortage of wealth in this country. There's a lot of wealthy um, individuals, corporations, and they do have CSR policies. But I don't think they go they go the distance in trying to do what is necessary to be done. Um, and I'm saying this not because I'm wanting to be critical of the of the society I'm a part of. I'm saying it based on an understanding that is comparative in relation to countries and situations that are similar, let's say like Mexico or Turkey or Indonesia or Brazil or Argentina, which are all contexts in which, with which I'm familiar. I'm not talking purposefully, I'm not talking about a, you know wealthy European countries or North American countries. I'm talking about countries that are comparable in terms of their economic and social heft with India. And I've seen that in these countries, there is much more responsible support for art and culture and for, you know, culture, intellectual life generally from within society than there is in India. I think those of those people who are listening to your podcast in, in India might do well to reflect on why this is the case. Okay, yeah, um, um, I hope so too. Because, yeah, I think, you know, um, it's such a rich country with uh, richness mm. in terms of culture in terms of the arts you know and um and if if uh, there isn't enough support um a lot of you know talent uh, in order for them to progress do need that mm. uh, financial yeah. support as well so mm. um i hope you know that um i mean i, I hope i can contribute through um, mm. this particular episode to people who are listening in, you know, to, to, right. to, yeah. to actually hear you out. 
and as you've mm. said, also reflect on it. Um, and yeah, no, um, I think it's 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 a very important um, conversation to be had. Um, and and I hope you know, I mean, it's unfortunate that you had constraints and therefore could not be persistent mm. with Sarai. Um, right. But you know, I mean, I, I guess as a as a collective, um, you do mm. need support, external support as well. So I completely understand that. But then, you know, yeah. it's an example of how um, people like yourselves who had the idea and who 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 are you know you're you're kind of um, thinking ahead and and you're actually trying to contribute and and support. Um, uh, art in in India in whatever sphere you know um, and you, you didn't get enough of that support so I hope there are people listening in um, yeah. let's move back uh, to Ruck's um, uh, media collectives what are some of uh, your projects that have really really because you know you kind of work with contemporary art but you also into cine uh, 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 you know film and things like that documentaries um, right. what are some of the projects that you really really held um, yeah. close to your heart or that have you know kind of stayed with you as a collective well, in a in a thirty two year old practice, it's it's hard <laughs> oh, to no. So if you can, to say I, that I know, are, I get that. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, just no, a couple of yeah. Yeah, but I think that I mean, and the main thing is that we meet every day. I mean, right now I'm at our studio. Um, people who are working in the studio are here. Jibesh, my other partner, who is again couldn't join the program um, podcast because he's we are busy editing a new work um, he's in the editing room there's a there's an everydayness to our preoccupations and to our conversations that have been going for 30 years and some of these have to do with subjects and themes that we are fascinated with like time what does time do to us and what do, what do we do to time um, the question of um, what makes for an embodied intelligence? I mean, this is a question that we have to ask ourselves all the time because we're three people and the artist is not one of us as human beings, but the intelligence that lies at the intersection of our curiosity. So that makes us think, it makes us think about everything from artificial intelligence to, um, to storytelling techniques and practices to how narratives grow. For instance, how does the Mahabharata grow in our culture as a set of interlinked hyperlinked um, you know entities so time telling stories language these are all very important to us the city as a as a as the ground of our practice delhi itself and the urban condition both uh, in in a general terms these are important so i mean i could think of let's say a work that we made called um provisions for everybody which is a long film work and it's basically following it's like a somewhere between a road movie and a philosophical reflection which looks at coal and energy and traces the journeys of a writer that we've always admired george orwell from his place of birth in motihari in eastern india in bihar to his his meditation on coal country in northern england 
or we could talk about another film work of ours called Blood of Blood and Stars, uh, the Blood of Stars, which looks at iron in the blood and in the earth and in the stars, uh, looks at elements and substances. So we're very curious about materials, for instance. Mm -hmm. Right now, we're working on a film um, that will be uh, that will have its inaugural screening and passage in a in a in in a place called Cosmic House in London, which uh, is the house of the uh, architectural historian and theorist Charles Jenks, who gave us the word postmodernism, and he did that in the year 1980. So this is a a meditation on the year 1980, which is a year that the three of us grew up in. Okay. Um, and it seems like a year in which nothing happened. So we're trying to think about that nothing that happens in every year and how that allows us to unlock the secrets of a passage of time or an experience of time. We also work a lot about with language. So we're making a series of works that, that look at um that look at book titles and, and insects. Um, there's one right in front of me. Um, there also is a work that we're making a large public commission at the moment for a library in the Goethe University in Frankfurt, which takes the declaration of the UN, uh, the UN human rights declarations, all humans are born free and equal, and turns that around into a video sculpture in, um, in, a, in, a, in a very interesting language from West Africa. So. There's all sorts of things that we're doing or have done at any given point of time that make us, um, that extend our curiosities, shall we say. That's fascinating. And that, yeah, and that, I guess that keeps you going as well. Uh, thank you so yeah. much. It's just been really interesting talking to you. Um, and it's a pity that Monica, you know, couldn't join, but we could have another conversation at another mm -hmm. time, sure. and, you know, and get more um, reflections from from you. Uh, yeah. It's just been wonderful, and I uh, really appreciate you talking to me and taking taking the time to do that. Thank for more weekly conversations, do listen to Melting Pot on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. Follow us on YouTube and on Instagram at Podcast Melting Pot. So until the next episode, this is Pyle signing off. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.